Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, good morning. Oh, that was pretty weak. Come on now. Good morning. Much better. Thank you, Joe. On the front row, he is up and loaded. He is right. I mean, he's ready to go, aren't you? Uh, today, we continue part five, and we're going to sort of land the plane. Uh, we've been on this journey of but what it looks like to be a story maker and understand that Jesus Christ is the story maker in all of us. Without him, we really don't have a story. And bottom line is, if you're here this morning and you know about Jesus, you've heard about Jesus, and you're thinking about Jesus, I hope today is your story. Your story as it starts to begin and starts to unfold and so we did learn about over the past couple of weeks, as we started this thing a couple of weeks ago, um, what we think is our story is, is only a part of our story. Now, we learned that just in the day one when we started this series. Well, what we think is our story is only a part of our story. And what do you mean by that? Well, if your past has a huge story, if your past has a depression or anxiety or maybe even fear, maybe it's even something even worse. That's only a part of your story. When you let Jesus start to form that story, it takes off and it goes in a direction of hope. It goes in a direction of prosperity. It goes in a direction of, most importantly, this huge word. This huge word is only four letters and it's love. And so for us today, what we think is our story is only a part of our story. And if we put Jesus at the center of our story, it begins to take on a unique and a bold and a wonderful story that produces this wonderful another four-letter word, life. A life that's everlasting, a life that multiplies, honestly, and it's a life, it's a story, it's a story worth telling. And so for all of us today, whether you come here with full of baggage, whether you come here with, with hope just bursting out the seams, you have a story. It's up to you to understand the definition of it through Christ, bottom line. Uh, I, I believe this series has allowed us to see our story in Jesus come alive. And I also believe that that word that's hanging on the back of the nest, and, 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 and just want to pause and just say, man, those guys up in the nest, you know, when things go smooth and everything's running awesome, we, we just, we, we never think about it. But when, when everything goes haywire and, and all of a sudden things go chaotic, everybody turns around and looks up in the nest, man. And so you just want to know what's going on. But they don't get enough credit. But I just want to say thank you guys for what you do. But they're hanging on that nest right there, there's this thing called Thrive. And we sort of adopted that word at the very beginning of the season in January. And, and with a relationship that's, that's inside Christ, it, we do, we're, there's, there's no way we cannot thrive. If he's at the center, if we're centering, pointing, and living, it, he, definitely, he definitely will allow us to thrive. Now, it might feel weird. We might have tension. We might have anxiety. We might have other things. But that's growth. That's spiritual growth. And some of us are just so full of the Spirit in the aspect of trusting God and having just an opportunity to run wild with Him. And you just say, you know what? Whatever goes, I know and I trust and obey because there's no other way. You see, that's a beautiful story. And, and as we've been able to, to dive in and, 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 and we start to understand this, this story, it's got to be revolved around one thing, a relationship with Jesus Christ. We've been looking into history and we're looking into scripture and it's allowed us to see truth. It's allowed us to see clarity and it's allowed us to see the character of Christ. And I believe with all my heart, in order for this movement of Jesus followers to continue that started over 2,000 years ago, it to be passed on to our next generation. We don't just need another church. We don't need another church. 
Now that sounds weird to say, and you're like, whoa. But it's the truth. We don't need another church. We don't need another, uh, another worship service to be added to our churches. We don't, need, we don't need another sermon to be preached as much as I like to preach. We don't need another sermon. We, we don't need more pastors. We don't. What we need, guys, center point, loft, what we need is you. We need you. We need more of you. We need you to step up. We need you to step up and, and to start sharing your story where you live, work, and play. Because when you do that, you start to center, you start to point, you start to live for Christ in a way that you maybe have never done so. And you're starting to do Acts 4.29. You're holding your hands outward in a, in a, in a motion of obedience and, and boldly, and you're praying because you don't know what else to do. You're just trusting God with your story, and you're walking across the room. And when you start to do that, things start to change because you start to change what you care about. And when you change what you care about, man, Jesus enters the house. Y'all dead this morning. There was no amen after that one. I'm just surprised. I'm just sorry. I, I thought I'd at least get one. I mean, I'm just being real. You know, it is, it is true. When Jesus enters the house, things change. And for us, I know some families here that that has happened. That has happened, and it's real. It's vibrant. And they don't know anything else by now because it's impacted their life so much. What they think was their story was only a part of their story. From this point on, man, they have a beautiful Christ story. And so if we could, if we could just sort of just be a witness of all that, and if we, if we could start to just share that and, and people get into people's lives, and we got people over here looking at these people's lives, and we got people over here looking at everybody's lives, and, and, and we start just to really engage it. You know, I, I sort of thought of how we could do that. Stacy did an awesome job last week of, of making the transition of, and, he, and used the idea of movies. We all like movies. So I thought I would tag that simply because I like movies too. And, and I was like, you know, this is, this is going to be good simply because it fits. And if you think about it, we, we all like movies. I mean, for, for the most part, most, most people do enjoy movies. People love movies. And Hollywood knows we love movies. Movies, especially those that, that have these famous words in it, based on a what? True story. Man, we are suckers for that, aren't we? I mean, we're like hook, line, and sinker. We're just like, woo based on a true story. Yeah, the Titanic, I'm sorry. The, the whole principle of the Titanic, it sunk. Uh, you know, it was the unsinkable ship. It wasn't a love affair going, la, 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 la. No, 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 it had nothing to do with that. It was straight up iceberg, oh my goodness, we are going to die. And that's what happened. I mean, I'm sorry. That's what happened. No, no, there was no, you know, no, yeah. So, I mean, it, that, that was all fairy tale stuff, sprinkle, sprinkle. And, and so, enjoy those type of moments. But I started thinking, like, sports, I'm a sports junkie. So, I was like, you know, you've you seen this movie, you know, and it's a little, a little Irish man, and he's about this big, and his name is... Rudy, yeah, for some of you, you got the name. And so, you know, the movie about Rudy, you know, it's awesome. I ain't gonna lie. It's, it's, it's captivating. It's, kind of, it's a great story. But if you want to have your bubble pop, go Google this. You will flat out like, what? It ain't even, it, I mean, it's, it's not even the same movie. It's like reading the book versus watching the movie. Half of the book's left out, right? You know? 
Here's a little guy named, named Rudy, and he had a chance to make the team, and, and he made the team. And, and then all of a sudden you see the coach was never going to put him in. The whole team, you know, started to rally around Rudy because Rudy just loved, everybody loved Rudy. But he never was going to put him in. And so eventually what ends up happening, at the end of this game, they're, they're up, and it's going back and forth, and, and, and they were up, and they were up, and they were up, and all of a sudden they, the coach was like, you know, let's just kneel the ball down. And the only way Rudy was going to get in the game, if they what, they, they ran a play against the coach, right? And so they did. They scored the touchdown, and they got Rudy in the game. And what does he do to come in there and do? He sacks the quarterback. You know, it's something crazy. He tackles. He does all this other thing. And, and he's just, and the crowd goes crazy. And Rudy, and that's the end of the movie. He gets carried off. That did not happen. I was like, what? I, I was like, I cannot believe this. And, and what happened, really, the coach was in favor of playing him the whole time. The coach actually loved Rudy. And, and, and be, lo and behold, there wasn't some guy up in the stand going, man, this is going to make a great movie someday. It was Hollywood executives taking notes like, this is a great movie. No, 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 no. Rudy, of all people, he starts writing his own story. He sends it out to every Hollywood producer. And like 20 years later, finally, somebody says, hey, that, that could make a movie. Let's just bend the truth a little bit, though. Let's, let's based on a true story. Let's bend it just a little bit to captivate the audience. Thus, Rudy was born. The legendary Rudy. What about this one? Pursuit of Happiness. You know that movie? I love that movie. You know, Will Smith and... and now I'm a Will Smith junkie getting jiggy with it. So, you know, I, I love going to Miami. I'm sorry. I, this is the time I grew up in. And, you know, sorry. It just it is what it is. It's a great day. Uh, you know... Uh, if you're new to us, forgive us. It's just me. Uh, you know, it, it, it is great, though. That movie is great. You know, Will Smith acting out a guy named Chris Gardner. He, 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 you know, he just, he was down on his luck, and he was, he was trying to figure out life, and, and he's got a great son, and he takes care of his son. His wife leaves him and all this other stuff, and, and he's trying to get his life turned around and try to, you know, he got in the cab, and all of a sudden he does one of these little things with a Rubik's Cube, and he solves it just like that, and this guy's like, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing, and he's like, you know, just, that's just who I am. And the next thing you know, it opens the door for him to go into Dean Witter, you know, the, the, the foundation of money marketing and everything else. And the next thing you know, he turns his life around, right? That didn't happen. Totally. It was based on a true story, but that didn't happen. Especially Rubik's Cube, it, it didn't happen. It was just all make-believe. And basically what happened was, if you know the story, the real story, if you want to Google it, it's there. Chris Gardner left his son, he left his wife. And he left everybody. He went out on a mission just to further himself and, and to make money. And, and he never saw his son grow up. He left them all. He abandoned them all. And then he came back and later in life and apologized. But, man, we just get drawn into that great tension, right? Based on a true story. And this is the last one. You know, I love this one the most. And remember the Titans, right? Strong side, left side, Right? Oh, man, that's a great movie. I remember when it came out. I remember the whole movie. It was the black and white issue. It was a controversial type of thing. And Coach Boone, the black coach, comes up, and he's taking over this white powerhouse team. You remember the movie if you watched it? The, the truth of the whole matter of the movie, yeah, there was some controversy. I mean, it's not like it's not still a controversy. You know, with Baltimore, come on. It's still there, right? Race is still an issue. But the truth of the matter, in the day and time when this stuff happened, like all that, when the, when the school was integrated, we see at the very beginning of the movie, uh, all that stuff taking place, that really didn't happen. It happened about seven years before. So the team wasn't even, there was none of that happening. 
The, the other crazy part about that team, you know, we see a lot of things take place on that team. And one of the things was at the very end of the game, you know, they go through that the whole season and they're, they're in the pursuit of, of, of what? Perfection, right? They're in the pursuit of perfection. And you want to really pop a bubble? Yeah, go back and, and Google that one. Uh, you, the, the team is back and forth, back and forth. And, they, and you know, we've got sunshine, we've got Hollywood, and you've got all these characters, right? And all of a sudden, Rev comes running up. He does an amazing touchdown to win the game. You know, that, did, that didn't happen. They won 27 to nothing, y'all. It wasn't even close. I'm like, seriously? Is there any stories out there a little bit more authentic or true? You see, those movies had to be in question to draw tension. And, and so we would we, we'd be pulled in. And we would be start, start to tell the story of this, this, this what? This fake movie that's being made. See, it's based on a true story, but what it really is is fiction. It's not true. It's false. It's not true. And so as I began to start pondering today and start to looking at today just in reality, as we finish up the series this week, but next week we have an amazing story maker conclusion. It's like the ending chapter. It's it's not the ending, it's actually the beginning because we're going public with people's faith, and I'm really excited about that. I wonder this. I wonder if our story with Christ, so I'm talking straight to you. I wonder if our story with Christ, your story, Wherever you're at today, I wonder if your story with Christ is based on a true story, but the truth of the matter is, it's false. You believe in Jesus, you grew up believing in it because that's just the culture you grew up in. You went to church, you did all the right things, you did the right, you, you, did, you did everything. You got the rule list, the do's and the don'ts, and, and you have followed them to a T simply because of the culture that you were brought up in and that you lived in, and you've based that whole thing based on a true story, but what is it? It's fiction. It's fiction in the aspect of you've never had that relationship experience. Do you really have a story? Do you have a a life story with Jesus? Maybe it looks like this. We talked about this a couple weeks ago with the blind man. You're before Jesus, you're blind, when you met Jesus, he put some spit and saliva and mud, on, mud pies on your eyes. And then your life after, you can see. Your story like that. And you don't know how to shut up because for the very first time, you're experiencing life because you can see. It can be a simple story. It can be so powerful. I was, I was once always living in fear. And, I, you know, and when Christ just alleviated that fear, and I, and I confess it to other people, and, I, and next thing I know, I'm just literally, literally excited, not afraid anymore. And for some of us, we have a little bit more of a, a religious background. And when Jesus opened up that door, I'm speaking to myself. I grew up in church, and I knew church, and that's all I really knew. Church was good, and man, I know every little song there possibly could be. The B.I.B.s, yes, that's the book for me. I know the songs, people, and maybe you do too. But until you have that Jesus moment, and for me, it was when I was 21, standing on the tarmac of an aviation airport in Richmond, Kentucky, and I had an encounter with Christ that said, listen, if you fly with me, 
instead of flying airplanes, which was my dream and my passion, and, and, I, and I thought I was excellent at it. I was like, how can it be that you're asking me to do this at this stage of my game? What will my parents think? What will my family think? What will, what will my friends think? Well, I think I'm a failure. He said, just trust me. And from that day on, I put my hope in a different set of wings. And Isaiah 40, 31 is my favorite verse. And it says, but those who trust in the Lord will mount up on wings like eagles and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I just didn't realize it was going to be on wings with Jesus. I thought it would be wings and Delta aircraft. And man, it's been a great, great flight so far. And we're only midway. Do you have a story? Do you have a story? And maybe it's a simple story. I pray that as we start to see movement, as we really start to see something stirring, I pray that you start to feel, and it's not just based on a true story like like a movie, but it's so real and so evident that you can't not see the truth of Christ in you because it's oozing out and people just want to be a part of it. So what's your story? Today, May 10th, 2015, what's your story? Is it more of a religious story or is it a relationship story? Is it a religious story? I grew up in church and, and I accepted Christ when I was seven. I got baptized. I did all the right things. And that's the last thought, last thought you had about doing everything. And, and there's really no more Jesus movement after that. You just did the right things. You do the right things. Is there any Jesus story or is there a relationship story where you can't get enough of Christ and you want to be obedient to him? And, and the thing that you did when you were seven, you just did it because all your friends did it. But now you really want to do it simply because it has changed your life. Which one is it? Is the religious one or is the relationship one? Have you followed all the rules, the do's and the don'ts, but never have experienced the freedom and love that comes from experiencing seeing Jesus do something we can't do in our lives? He transforms us. We can manipulate it, but he transforms us into a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Where are you, people? Where are you today? So if you got your Bibles, today we're going we're to knock this out. Two weeks ago, we, we, we tackled John chapter 9. And this, is, this is John. Uh, he's the disciple that followed Jesus, and, and he, he took care of Jesus' mom. He, he was there through thick and thin. He, he walked with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He recorded things. We're in John chapter 9. We talked about the blind man and, and him not being able to see, and, and it was one of the amazing miracles that took place. This is, this is John that saw all this stuff take place in Jesus' life, and he recorded it well, and we saw it here in John chapter 9 where there was a blind man, blind from birth, as is recorded. And people knew that he was blind from birth. And so it, that means there's something, signot, you know, the inside of your little veins and all the little wires, you know, all those little gizmos that make this right here work to the brain so you can see. There was none of that there. There was no hard wiring inside the brain. And so when Jesus got near him, that's what took place. That's John chapter 9. And it's an amazing story. If you haven't read it, I would encourage you to go read it because it will allow you to see something take place. Trust, faith, obedience, all those, yes, but also, most importantly, a miracle. A miracle that sometimes we overlook. And so that's John chapter 9, and we realized as the guy who was healed, he comes out of that and he starts testifying. He starts testifying in a way of a simple story. 
It's a very powerful story. His story was simple. He basically kept on saying, I was blind. I met Jesus. Now I can see. He told that same story over and over and over again. And you see that in, 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 this, in that John chapter 9. I was blind. I met Jesus. Now I can see. And he, no matter how many times they asked the question, that was his answer. Finally, the, the Pharisees at the time, the religious guys, they come in, they start attacking him, they gang up on him, and they start asking the questions. It doesn't make any sense. Now, these are people that have followed the word. They know the book. They know the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They know everything about this, but they still can't see it. They cannot see it because it doesn't make sense to them. And so finally, they, they get to the position where they, they throw him out. And so John chapter 9 John chapter 9, we're going to pick this up in verse 35. If you got your phones out, that's cool. Go ahead and plug those up. You version of the Bible is awesome. If you need a Bible, daily commercial in the back, there's Bibles there. We just want to give you Bibles. They're down front. They're everywhere. Uh, we just want to be able to connect with you. And that, we want to make sure that you got the Word of God in your hands. Otherwise, it's behind me on the screen if you want to follow along. But here's a question. We're going to deal with how do I know? How do I know I have a, a truly a story? Story with Christ. So John chapter 9, verse 35. Here we go. It says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And if we just stop right there, you, you know simply this. You know the background story. You know the background story of the, the blind man, and, and he was healed, and, and Jesus was loving on him, and all of a sudden, the Pharisees are attacking and ganging up on him, and, and they basically kick him out because they don't want to have this person that who cannot explain it other than the fact I was blind, now I see. That doesn't make much sense. And so Jesus hears that they had thrown him out of the temple courts, out of the place where there's thousands of people coming and going and doing business and worshiping and other things that are going on on a normal day. It'd be equivalent to coming down here on Main Street and saying, you know what, I was blind yesterday, but now I see. People would say, well, you're kind of crazy, wouldn't they? I mean, I'm just being real. It'd be equivalent to saying, you know, this might be a little difficult, but it'd be like somebody with no legs walking around all of a sudden, I got legs. I don't know how it happened. I just grew legs last night. It's amazing. People would look at you like you're crazy, wouldn't they? It's exactly what took place. And the only thing he had was, I just met this guy, and this guy said, it wasn't Mr. Miyagi. It was really Jesus Christ who put some mud, a loogie, and smacked my face, and the next thing I know, I am I'm seeing, I'm seeing, and I don't know what I'm experiencing, but you guys need to experience it too, because evidently you can't see. And so that's what this is about. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, when he found the guy, when he, he came and embraced him again. Now, I'm kind of curious on this portion of the, of the scripture. Didn't you, didn't you recognize his voice? I mean, didn't the, the blind man recognize the voice? But he said to him in this way, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, in the Greek text, this, this word you is so emphasized. I mean, it's like capital. It's bold. It's, it's huge. It's drawn out. It's like, do you believe? Now, then, here's the question. This guy was just blind like 15, 20, 30 minutes ago, right? How in the world can he not believe? But yet Jesus is asking a simple question. Do you believe? Uh, you can see, well, uh, who is he, sir? That's his response. Who, who, who? I, um, who is he? I, I don't, 
And it gets kind of confusing right here at the very beginning. That's just how things roll when Jesus does something crazy in our lives. We just sort of come up with all kinds of weird answers, don't we? Oh, it was just a sickness. It was just, it was just, you know, it was going around. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I was able to, it, it was, just, it was a, I don't know, it was a modern day miracle, medicine. But in verse 36, it says, tell me so that I may believe in him. Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe. So here we got two words, believe. Now, then, if you go back to verse 35, it says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, the Son of Man is basically another word or another phrase for Messiah, Jesus, King of Kings, Prince of Peace. Keep on going if you want to. Yahweh, however you want to say it. And here he is, having to ask this question, who is he, sir? Who is he, the man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus says this in verse 37. You have now seen him. He's standing right in front of his face. You have, hey, this right here face, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Now, like I said earlier, how do you not recognize the voice? And people who are blind, I, have, I do know this about it because i got some blind friends, but they, they really they connect with voices. Like they really do. They, 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 their senses go up on other levels, and they're able to identify people even by smells. I mean, they're, they're, they're amazing in their aspect and what God's allowed them to see. But here he is. He's, he's really struggling with admitting this one. He's really struggling because he's already been questioned. He's been thrown out by the religious people. He's been persecuted. He's been, he's been honestly, he feels like he's been betrayed. And he's like, man, I think it might have been easier just to stay blind because this is horrible. I don't really want to do this anymore. I don't want to see. And Jesus comes to him and says, you have now seen me. In fact, I'm standing in front of you. Do I need to spit again? In verse 38, it says, then the man said, and I can only picture this in my head, and I don't know how your brain thinks, but I'm thinking about the movies again. I go back to that scene. That's when, when I read the Bible, I sort of picture things like that. And in verse 38, it says, the man said, Lord, I believe. You can almost hear the tremble in his voice. I believe. And I love what it says here next. Maybe in your Bible it might say something different, but it, it does say it in mine. And it's on the screen. And there it is. Why don't you read it with me? And he. Okay, now a lot of us, that was really weak. Just being honest. We, we say worship. And the first thing that comes to your mind is what? A worship service, right? Yeah, that, in this context, that is not what it's talking about. That context, it, it is definitely not the same characteristic of, 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 of just getting in that worship service and, and being involved. And, and for some of you, I, I watched, I'll just carefully watch, and I saw some people doing this, and you're just being kind of quiet. And then the next person besides you not doing it, so then you end up doing this. And some people are going all after. They don't really care. They're just like, you know, chasing and they're like, yeah, this is good. Oh, man. Not really caring. And other people are like, man, what's up with them this morning? 
this worshiped? Yeah, it, it has to do with that, but it has to do with this. I mean, this worship, when it talks about in the Greek context, it's like he's fallen to his knees and he's like, I'm so thankful that you did this to me. I'm so, I don't know what else to do, but God, just let me sit here and just worship you. Let me, let me love you. Let me, I will follow you to the ends of the earth and I will do anything there is to do for you, Lord. I believe, I believe you have allowed me to see. And you've got to keep in mind, this is in the middle of temple courts. This is in front of everybody. I mean, there's thousands of people standing around, and this is what's taking place. He is worshiping on his knees, and he's saying, Lord, I believe. You tell me it didn't cause a scene? You tell me his story didn't get shifted? When Jesus enters the house, it changes things. It allows people to to see And that's what we see in here. We see a complete adoration, a complete devotion, a complete, honestly, love affair take place for the very first time through Christ. Because he's standing in front of him. And there's another word right here. And a lot of us have struggled with this word. And I intentionally left it because I want to come back to it. It says, then the man said in verse 38, what is that word? Lord. Then the man said, Lord. You see, Lord means one thing. There is nobody else. There is no doctor who can heal you. There is no chemical out there, dependency that you can get healed from. There is one person. His name is Jesus in front of everybody. He got down on his knees. And in the system in the day and the time when they had lords and they did do that, it means you are surrendering everything who you are, everything that you have, all that you are going to be in the future to say one word, Lord. It means obedience. It means you, I will follow. You, I love. I will I will die for you. You are my Lord. And he worshiped him. So 39, it says this. It says, Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see. Those who see will become blind. And all of a sudden, this guy's like, huh? He's like talking in riddles. I mean, what? I thought the whole thing of not to be judged and, and judge not and we're not supposed to judge. And, but let's just talk about this for a second. One of the greatest things we do because we, we, it's, we struggle with this word called Lord, we like to judge. And I can, I can tell you that in the aspect of this one because I think it's pretty accurate. We judge everything. We judge if we don't like an environment, we, we judge it, and we quickly say, you know what, I don't want to be in that environment. For example, your job. All of a sudden, the job gets a little bit more stressful, and we start to judge the things that are around us, and we actually do this pretty well. We're like, you know what, I'm going to start looking for another environment, right? Yes or no? Shake your head, yes. Yeah, are you with me? Okay. And then with other environment, what about this one? It churches. Ooh, we do that, right? Like, we don't like the way the music sounds, or maybe there's this kind of crazy lights going on up here, and what's up with the haze? And that's just, well, I'm picking on my own, you know, this church. Like, that's just too, you know, we judge quickly. 
not knowing the vision behind it, not knowing the mission behind it, not ever asking any questions. We just throw out the blanket cover of a judgment because we are good at it. How about this one? You judge a lot of people. Now, if you're a normal person, I don't know, maybe you're not, uh, but my guess is you judge some people along the way to get to the position that you're in, meaning uh, relationships. You like that person the way she did this, or you like the way she looked, or you liked it, you know, but you judge them. Maybe you use like, you know, looks don't matter to me. I like what's on the inside. And you're, 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 that's a judgment, right? You see, we're good at judging. We're very good at judging. And we're, we don't even know how much we do it some days. We even judge movies, right? Like that movie stunk. It had five stars. It shouldn't have one star. We judge things. Based on a true story, ain't even a real story. It's fake. We judge everything. We make our opinion known. You see, he says this, for judgment, I have come into the world. For God so loved his own son that he sent him where? Into this world. And it says right here, for the judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and for those who see will become blind. I'm sitting here this week just looking at this and staring at this and reading this and I've read this probably almost maybe 50 times and it is a struggle to read it sometimes. And some of us, you know, we don't understand it and we're just like, you know what, uh, okay, we'll just, it's okay, I'll just go on. And so this is what's interesting. There's always someone paying attention. And in the Bible, here it is. There's, there's some Pharisees, they're religious guys. They're watching. They're very carefully, meticulously picking Jesus apart. And the guy who's just now claimed, Lord, I believe. He's screaming. They're watching him. And then Jesus says this, for judgment I have come into this world. And he's probably preaching at this moment. It's funny how Jesus preaches and it's only one-liners. It's great. I mean, for judgment, I have come into this world. I can judge. I am able to do that so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. So some of the Pharisees who were with, with him heard him say this and asked, what? Right there. What? Are you? You can almost see it. It's like it's a little guy, with, you know, it's Rudy. They come running across the street. What? Are you saying I'm blind? They got attitude. I mean, they're coming at him. I mean, you're just reading this for reading this. Come on, come on, get into the scripture. It, they're going at him. They're getting in Jesus' face, and Jesus, like, you better back up. I mean, you can almost see this picture. I mean, I, I, Jesus already done the sand thing, you know. And he's like, you know, those without sin cast the first stone. No. But here he goes. Are you saying I'm blind too? Jesus, I love his response, man. Jesus just simply says this: If you were blind. If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you can claim to see, your guilt remains. And I'm like, man, this is like, riddle me this, riddle me that. And like, you're going back and forth and trying to pull this out. And some people probably have never put two cents into this because it's kind of complex. But let me break it down for us this morning. And let's conclude with this. You see, this is what this means. If you knew you were blind, if you knew you were blind like the blind man, you would want help. You would do anything you possibly could to see. If you knew you were blind, you would want help. But now that you know you can see, you're not looking for help. You're not asking me 
You're judging everybody else. You know, you don't have the right to do that. You're not the Lord. I am. I have been sent, not you. If you knew you were blind, you would be open to judgment because you would do whatever it took to see. But here's the truth, Pharisees, religious people. We're so prideful. We're sure of our story in saying we can see, we can see, we can see, saying we know God, saying that we know the Bible. We even know Caleb and everyone. We know the songs. We have answers. And we are going to completely miss it. We're going to completely miss it on the day that he comes back. You see, he says this, it would be better off if we were blind because you would be able to see now because you're asking for me to be the judge and the king, the Lord, and the editor of your story. So who's the editor of your story, folks? Who's the chief editor? And I heard this saying a couple years ago, and it got reiterated a couple weeks ago. I thought it fit. And for us, it's true. And it went like this. You can't tell a dead man they're dead. Think about that. Walk up to the casket. You're dead! I just want to lay there. I mean, you might shake it and like, oh, he's moving. No, it didn't. You can't tell a dead man there's dead. You see, I get frustrated. I get frustrated with people who think they have it all together, have all the answers. And I think back to this statement, you can't tell a dead man they're dead. And here's how I know this hurts. And it gets real home for me. When we first launched the church, I wanted to be, I just wanted to make sure it was successful, okay? You never want to fail, right? So you do everything in your own power to tell a story and make sure it goes in a certain direction. You say you're trusting God and you say you're, you're broken and you say you're there and everything is just going in a direction. And then turmoil hits and it's really honestly all about you. But when that moment of freedom comes and you don't have nothing left and the only thing you got is Jesus, look out, it gets good. The story turn, takes a twist. And then you're in the park for 14 weeks and it doesn't even freaking rain on you. It gets good. The story turns amazing. And that's that amazing grace that he wants to be a part of your life and he wants to bleed, he wants to die for you. But you can't sit there numb, dumb on the log or dead in the casket because you can't tell a dead man he's dead. So my question is, are you alive or you're dead? I mean, it's just two choices, dead or alive. That's all you got this morning. What is your story? Only Jesus can bring the dead man back to life. And if you think you can manipulate that, I'm sorry you can't. It only comes through the power through him in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I cast that out. In Jesus' name, I bring that back. You see, in this story, it's better for the religious people to be blind it's better for them to be blind so they will trust and they will be obedient to take that leap of faith and put those mud pies in his eyes because you're sitting there you have nothing left you have nothing left but just to go down to the pool and wash off and then when you open your eyes for the very first time you're going to see 
see, is your story based off a true story? Is it fake? Is it, is it fiction? Or is it nonfiction? And see, my hope, our hope in center point is this, that our stories of where Christ is moving in our lives, it goes viral. It's not about whether or not center point is successful, it's whether or not your story is successful. If your story in Jesus is successful and it's real, of before your life met, before you met Jesus and when you, when you met Jesus in your walk and, and now you're walking with him, it's so amazing and so vibrant. It, it needs a movie. It doesn't have to go out like Rudy does and send things out. It just needs a movie because there's life transformation. We're all watching these lives and these families being moved by your ability to share your story in Christ. It's contagious. That's called a virus. And so I hope and pray this morning that your story is contagious. Because this is true. And if this is the main point of the sermon, here it is. Your story will always move in the direction of your heart. Your story will move in the direction of your heart. So is Jesus in the center of your heart? Is he the editor of your heart? Is he the Lord of your heart? So what's your story? Is it fiction or is it nonfiction this morning? We're going to sing a song called, Lord, we need you. Lord, we, we need you. And I pray that you are crying out this morning in a way that's real, it's authentic, and it's, it's, it's true. It's not fiction. It's not just because we're singing a song. I pray that you respond in a way that you understand that he is at the center. He is the editor and he is the Lord of everything you do this morning. If you need to talk, man, I'd be happy to. There's other people who pray over you, but it's your choice to respond.